0: Take your neighbor around a little bit. Wake them up. Make sure we're ready for church today. All right. Nice good. Well, it is good to have you. Now, if you noticed, all the kids are with us for worship today. It's the Risers teaching day. And since Samara is up here, they're going to be with us for worship. But we love to have our kids with us for worship. Amen. So it's going to be a good day today. So how about we uh, jump up on our feet and say hi to a couple people, then we'll get rolling this morning. But it is good to have you. <coughs> You're <laughs> going chapter 1 is where Mike's going to read this
1: morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In his life, and the life was light like of the men. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from father, full of grace and truth.
2: soon. stop you never stop working
3: you never stop you never stop working
1: Hallelujah. Well, if he has it, look around you. He can do the same for you. He loves you. Well, we're so glad to have you here this morning. Kids, you can meet me at that back door. If you're new, we want to get to know you. Fill out this little get to know you card right in front of you and go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
0: Good morning everybody, good morning, I know they're, they're dropping uh, kids off in kids church right now, but uh, live streamers, it's good to have you, and uh, wherever you're watching from, say hey, wave on there, put a prayer request on there, whatever you want to do, pray for those at the other church, good to have you. And, and we just ask the uh, blessings, whatever way in the house, for, no matter our situation, where we're at, the, the circumstances of our life in this very moment, that the evidence of who you are is there. I said. Amen. Bring it on down if you have it. And while you're doing that, uh, some announcements. Uh, first off, um, Kelly McCarthy. There's uh how many notice Samara, our worship leader? She's like very pregnant. You guys notice that? If you didn't know that, you know, I, I don't to tell you. Um, there is a baby shower for Next Sunday, December 12th, which is next Sunday at 1 o'clock at the Grounds. that's right, so Sarah, wave your hand. If you don't know Sarah, that's Sarah. Okay, so if you want information, directions, you can see Kelly can help you, Sarah can help you. So that's coming up next week. Uh, but before that, on Saturday, the 11th, this coming Saturday, man, 9 a.m. right here, we have a good breakfast. Uh, Mike's coming December 17th, 18th, we have Youth Lock In. If you need information, parents, that's 5th through 12th grade. That's Josh right there. Talk to Josh. He's got all the information about that 5th through 12th grade and overnighter here at the church. And by the way, if you want to help with that, because you just love dumb people so much, you want to spend the night with them, see Josh, and he'll hook you up. Um, Also, two weeks from today, we have our Christmas party after church. Right after church, when we're done, we're going to head over to the Miller. Barn, and we're going to have a Christmas party, food, and just some fun. So uh, just come on out and plan on being there for that, and then certainly Christmas Eve service and all that kind of stuff. So keep paying attention for all of our coming out. With us. Can't hear me? You hear me in the back? They're saying yes. You're saying no. Pray for your hearing afterwards. I don't know. Who, who cannot hear me? This is the only one raising her hand. All right. So we'll, we'll bump it up as we go. All right. Here we go. That's it. So get your Bibles out. If you have a word today, thank you, Canyon. There it is. Now you can hear me? As soon as I said, thank you, Canyon, my mic came on. I don't know. It was something to do with Canyon. All right, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 64. We're going to spend uh, some time in Isaiah today, also the book of Luke. And we're, we're kind of, not kind of, we are kicking off our Advent uh, Christmas uh, series today. And by the way, um, we had a little bit of a work day yesterday. Thanks for everybody who came out. Uh, carpet is scheduled to come for the basement for the kids Tuesday and Wednesday. Amen. So... Parents, thank you for your patience with us while we're doing this. And uh, Al and Carol, they did the decorating in a church. Didn't they do a great job? So thank you for doing that. And um, Carol, I have to tell you, I knew it that you were going to make Al climb up there and put that star up there. I knew it. And when he said, yeah, I'm going to have to do that, I was just, I knew it. So we appreciate that. I like it. Anyways, (laughs) the world needs some good news. Um, because most of the news, we, we, you have a, we have a tendency to pay attention to bad news, even sometimes when there's good news there. Yeah. Isn't that right? It's sort of our, our human nature a little bit, I think. But the world does need good news, and, and the good news it needs is not so much some new news. It's some news that's been around, maybe news to some people. But what is really the best news of all, Christmas is about a true story. And we celebrate it in our calendar, it's just whatever uh, that is, you know, according to actual time and dates of, of past history. But we're celebrating it this month, and Christmas is, Christmas is prophecy fulfilled. That rose in the prophecy yet to be fulfilled. See, everything that God is doing is prophecy in motion, Constantly. That God is who he is, and he's backing up the things that he said, he's backing up the things that he put in motion from the beginning of our time. So when we talk about Christmas, really the church calendar word for it is Advent. Advent means arrival. So Isaiah chapter 64, and and Isaiah, the the great uh, prophet we have recorded, obviously, in in the book of Isaiah, He writes in and says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah 64, 1. That you would rend the heavens and come down. In other words, the heavens would break and and that God would come. That the mountains might quake at your presence. As when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nation might tremble at your presence. When you need awesome things that we did not look for. You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. And from old, no one heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You know, the, the duality of, of, of this wording here is, in one way, pushing forward to looking to the coming Messiah. And you know what? The, the heavens did break forth. God did come down. The tremble did quake. And it came as a baby being born. Could this really be the way that God, from the planning, from the beginning of, of, of looking to the redemption of of man could this be how he would do this and it's yes and amen the heavens did break god did come and a baby was born and in the miraculous that we see enveloped in this true story of god's arrival so advent means arrival it is the coming of jesus god in flesh And, and the thing about advent is We celebrate Christmas Day and often Christmas Eve, but Advent is the whole season because it comes in in, in two ways. Advent tells us to be patient and have a a pregnant expectancy of something wonderful. That's 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 why we begin to celebrate this season early, not just the day before and the day of. And it's very symbolic of of the waiting of Israel for their Messiah to come. There was a long waiting. So Advent is about the preparation, but also then uh, with it then the celebration of it. So we as a church, Advent speaks to us that yes, God has come. But now we're in another season of patient waiting for his return. And the prophecy fulfilled of Jesus' coming rolls into the prophecies yet to be fulfilled of his coming again. We're impatient waiting. We have celebrated his coming and certainly the celebration of what is to come. We look forward to it. That's what Advent speaks to us. The arrival of Jesus. Good news of great joy for who? For all the people. Amen. So Isaiah 61, let's jump back a couple chapters in Isaiah. And by the way, I would, I would encourage you during what we call Advent season, it literally, it started last week on the church calendar. We, we pay attention to the church calendar because it constantly reminds us of things that are important to us. The foundations of our faith. So every, every year when we get to Christmas time, we take time to talk about the coming of Jesus, God in flesh. When we roll in towards Easter, it's called Lent, and it rolls into then the Good Friday, Easter Sunday. We stop and talk about those things specifically. Why? It reminds us of the foundations of our faith. You can teach a lot of stuff out of the Bible, but if you get far away from his coming, his death, and his resurrection, we're too far from what we should be talking about. So in these seasons, we take time to talk about things that are foundational. Isaiah, by the way, I would encourage you during what we call Advent season to read the prophet Isaiah. All through his uh, writing, the words recorded of of what he has said. By the way, a lot of it poetry, and, and we started a series on the Psalms Wednesday. A lot of poetry in the Psalms, a lot of the prophets wrote in a poetic form because prophecy gets into your imagination. We'll talk about that in a minute. And and the poetry that helps get into our imagination is very important because it's supposed to open you up to the possibilities of God. So I would encourage you to read Isaiah because if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, you're going to see a lot of messianic overtones, uh, Jesus overtones in the prophet Isaiah. But here here is something uh, that is very uh, prophetic about the work and the ministry of the coming Messiah. So Isaiah 61 and verse number 1 says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and then so forth. Now, Luke chapter 4 records that Jesus in the synagogue read this. And then he sat down. And he said, this is fulfilled today in your hearing. He is claiming that this is about him. Now, it's very interesting, though, by the way, what he reads in Isaiah, he stops short. Because if you go back to verse number... Number two, where it says in Luke that he reads this, he reads, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he stops mid-sentence, and he does not finish the rest of that sentence. He stops at proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. He doesn't read about the Lord's vengeance. Oh, the coming of the Messiah to heal us, and not to wait vengeance upon us. Amen. And he stopped reading in the middle of that that sentence. He sits down and claims, this is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is the anointed one. Amen. You know, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. You know that. It's descriptive. Christ means anointed one. Uh, The anointed one in his anointing is what it carries. Jesus is the anointed one to do what? He has come as the Messiah, the Savior. And what does he do? He proclaims the good news to who? The poor. See, see the, the gospel of the kingdom draws outward in. It draws from the fringes. We'll see this in a minute at the proclamation to the shepherds. It draws outward to the fringes of society and comes in because it's for what? For all the people. It's not just for the high class or or, or those with money or those uh, uh, that are high in in, uh, notoriety or or political status. He comes first to reach out to, to the fringe of society and bring them into his kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Aren't you thankful that the gospel is for all the people? That in his example, Jesus came. He didn't come through politics. He didn't come through uh, monetary riches. He came through simple, ordinary people that responded to the calling of God. And he is for all the people. But what does he do in preaching this good news, the good news of salvation, the good news of the kingdom? In it, the brokenhearted are bound up and healed. In it, liberty, freedom... Had been proclaimed to those who are captive in their sin. For those who are bound in a way of being in a prison, the opening of those doors. And it's the proclaiming of God's favor for those who respond. He proclaims the favor of the Lord and salvation. And he does this on all levels of human existence. Amen. So the Old Testament. As we see in Isaiah, the Old Testament, the prophecies, uh, the foreshadowing, um, the Old Testament leans in towards Jesus and his coming. The Old Testament anticipates his coming. That's Advent. A guy named Mitchell Chase, a book I read recently, says this, The Bible is the story about Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament is a long story that predicts and prepares for his coming. The New Testament, then, is the explosive announcement of his arrival and what that means for the world. See, in the Old Testament, it's about the promise the New Testament heralds its fulfillment. Amen. See, go go to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. Let me just throw this out to you. Genesis chapter 3. We we have the story of the fall of man and sin. We got the serpent. We got Adam and Eve. We got God in judgment on all three. But Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. A prophecy here. I will put enmity between you, who? The enemy, Satan. And the woman, who? Mankind. Mankind. And between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, there is the prophecy of the coming of Jesus found in Genesis chapter 3. And from Genesis chapter 3 all the way till we pick it up in Matthew, we are waiting for the the arrival of this to happen in the storyline we find in the Old Testament. It's a long story leading to the arrival of Jesus. So here's this. When we really think about what Advent's about and what Christmas is about, what Jesus' coming means, it presents us and kind of confronts us with some questions. What does this really mean? If this is actually true, how does this change the trajectory of our world? And certainly then, what does it mean personally for me? We're confronted with these kind of questions when we start to see the story of Jesus and what it's really about. And and we see, like Isaiah, prophesying these things some 700 years before the fulfillment of them. What does this mean? What is this all about? How does it change things? How does it change me? And to do that, we got to jump into something called prophetic imagination. Let me introduce you to something here if you've never heard that before. What the prophets are saying, even in fulfillment, open up something new. Amen. And the reason why poetry in the prophets and even in the Psalms is important because you read poetry in a certain way that can grab hold of your imagination and make you think of bigger things. As we said Wednesday, uh, we're talking about the Psalms, Your your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, right? Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Your justice, Lord, is like the great deep. That's poetry trying to get inside your imagination to open you up to the greatness of who God is. You see what I mean? We've got to get in our minds and our hearts this prophetic imagination that starts to answer the question: what does this mean? How has it changed the trajectory of our world, and what does it mean for me personally? That Jesus has come. That God really ran the heavens, and he came down. And then kingdom of God established. Ministry happened, signposts of the kingdom. A death, and then resurrection Ascension and 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 the the waiting of return. What does this mean? What does it mean for you? And what does it mean for us as a society? These are big questions we have to kind of confront and, and begin to deal with a little bit. But do we really believe that Isaiah 61 was happening with Jesus and with the kingdom coming after it continues? That the anointed one did come, the kingdom was established. And it really means for those who begin to receive and live in it, the the freedom and the binding of brokenness. You know what I mean? As if you were a captive and you've been set free. What does that mean? That can we really today, Now, see, here's the thing. Jesus is king and lord of this world when? Now. Is he not? He's not just going to be king and lord when he comes. Now you say, well, wait a minute. The world is entirely, completely messed up, right? We are lost in our sin. That is why prophetic imagination needs to start to see things that Jesus is lord now. Not just when he comes to clean up a mess later. What's it mean now, How does it change the trajectory of the world now? What's it mean for me now? And we got to let the prophet speak to us a little bit and show us beyond sometimes what we immediately think or beyond our understanding of what this is really all about. Jesus has come. I believe, I believe that today in this messed up world, what the prophets are saying is happening now. Now, you think, well, you're talking about end times. No, I'm talking about what the prophets said, that people's broken hearts can be bound up and healed now. That those who are captive can be set free in their hearts now. That the good news for all people is drawing out from the fringes of the society and bring us into the kingdom now. That's the prophets. Here's the thing about prophecy. You need to understand this. So, in the Old Testament, they, the prophets were prophesying the nations and people and doing all this different stuff. But towards the end, all the prophecies started to dovetail to Jesus. After his coming, all the prophecies have to do with Jesus. So, one of the telltale signs of people that claim to be prophets and they're saying stuff that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, cut it out. Because the word, what, what is our guide? Right here, the word. The Old Testament dovetails to them. Everything after is about Him, Amen. What do the prophets say? The prophets are saying that the advent of God, Messiah, Savior in this world is freedom. It's healing lives. It's setting us free. And living in this and figuring out what that means in the midst of this world until he comes again. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, here's classic Christmas reading of of the Gospels. Luke chapter 2. And verse number 1. It says, in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And laid them in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ, the Anointed One, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. Good news of great joy, actually the best news that can be, for a world that needs to hear good news. As the the Christmas hymn says, a weary world, it rejoices. Amen. How many know our world is weary? And it needs the best news. And the best news you can receive above anything else is, a Savior has been born. And it is the good news that... uh, Uh, Good news is is gospel. The word gospel literally means good news or good story. The Greek is the word evangel. If you, you hear about evangelize, it comes from that. In other words, to tell the good news, tell the good story, announce it is another meaning. That the angels came and announced this good news. And the good news, the announcement is the kingdom of God has come through this baby being born. Actually, the good news is actually the baby himself. He is the good news of great joy. He is the announcement. Amen. The best thing that's ever happened to us. History, history leads to Jesus, then the rest of history flows from Jesus. He is the high point of human history. Amen. And we live in the shadow of his works, his ministry, his death his resurrection, and we live forward in those things. The good news of great joy. See, following the Old Testament storyline, Jewish hopes were being fulfilled in Jesus, but it was much bigger because the the promise of Abraham that he would bless the nations is found here also. It's not just for the Jewish storyline and their redemption, their savior, but it's for all the people, the good news of great joy. And the world rejoices. See, see, Mike led us off with John chapter 1, one of the great, uh, um, uh, great way to put this, great, great, uh, what do you want to say, writing we find in the New Testament. John was a great writer. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Nothing that has been made without him had been made. Jesus was there from the beginning. Amen. But as Mike read, light has come into the darkness. To, to understand the fullness of what Jesus is and what he, he is about and what he means is you have to begin to contrast the light and the darkness. Darkness where is lost and separated and damaged and ruined, light has come. What? To shine light in the darkness. Why? Because God, in the midst of seeing this, says this is my creation and I will save my creation. So I will come and be with you to bind up the brokenhearted, to release from prison the captives to proclaim the good news even to the fringes of our society and bring them into the kingdom where there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Removing the social uh, uh, division that he has called us to be a part of who he is. As Mike read, to those who believe on his name will be called the children of God, amen. Not born of flesh and blood, but born of God himself. That's the work of the kingdom. This is why Jesus has come. So the light has come into the darkness to expose the darkness for what it is. And of course, light and dark takes us to the cross. Because it is at the cross where the darkness is judged. It's in the resurrection that God backs up everything that happened on Good Friday. Why Jesus has come. What's so amazing about this announcement we just read in Luke chapter 2? It was cosmic in its announcement, was it not? Angels, multitude of angels. It is a cosmic event. It is big, it is large, it is huge. Not only for, for the announcement itself, but for what it means. It changes everything. This is where prophetic imagination has to jump in. It changes everything. You believe that. But yet in, 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 in the, the bigness, is that a word, bigness? Bigness of its announcement with the angels. It came right down to some very individual shepherds. It's big and it changes everything, but it comes right down to the individual person who would hear and receive and go seek to find. By the way, the shepherds, again, kind of reiterating the point, the shepherds are not like the high-end society people, not wealthy, right? This is lower-end job, lower-end wage. They're out with the sheep in the middle of the night kind of job. You know what I mean? And who does the first announcement of the kingdom come to. Shepherds in the field watching their flocks by night, drawn draw from the out out of society in. That's what Jesus does. Good news of great joy. Isaiah, chapter number two. I want to I want to kind of get at you a little bit here with some prophetic imagination. Are you ready? So we're gonna we're gonna do a couple of verses or a little passage of scripture in the book Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2. Because I'd like to challenge you in your thinking of what does this mean. Isaiah chapter 2 and, and verse number 2. And it shall come to pass in the latter days. Now, when did the, when did the latter days start? Pentecost, Right? Isn't that the fulfillment of Joel? So in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and so forth. Isaiah is calling forth in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest of the mountains. In other words, God will be exalted. And shall be lifted up above the hills. And all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his path. Prophetic imagination draws us into the possibility of the ways of God and living in his path. That. Jesus' coming means there's an alternative way of living in this lost and messed up world. There can be a different way. Do you believe? You see that? Do you really believe that in the midst of this messed up world, there is a different way to be? Do you believe? But watch what Isaiah says. Here's a big challenge to this, what he's saying. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem... He shall judge between the nations and shall decide the disputes for many people. And watch this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, nor shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The sword and the spear meant for harm is turned into gardening tools. Think about that. Well, what, is the very, what, by the way, what is the first vocation that man was given to take care of what? The world. And what do you do to take care of the world? Well, you got to do something to take care of it. Isaiah is taking us back to the things that we create to harm other people will be turned into care of our first vocation, the creation that God has given us. It takes some prophetic imagination to see that in the midst of our world, does it not? It may be hard to see that. Can you see that much that God has come to change our ways that something like that is possible even before he comes again? Do you believe How does this change the trajectory of our world? How does this change me? But do you know that the calling of following Jesus doesn't depend on how the world is living and what they're doing, but what we begin to know by revelation? That we are to live in the revelation of Jesus Christ, even if they're not? Can you begin to live in such a way that things like this are true in your heart and the way you begin to live in society while our world is still lost, while we're waiting for him to come again? Here's another one. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1. Isaiah 11, 1. And there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. This is about Jesus. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or, or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the, and the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. And righteous shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. In verse 6, watch this. It's very prophetic. It's very much opening and getting into our imagination how the, the world order is changed in him. And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the sh- leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fat and calf together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child shall play over the whole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den, and they shall not hurt or destroy, in, destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow. Prophetic imagination. Now, I don't know about you, but you chuck a a fattened calf in front of a lion. We're going, well, Isaiah's not being fulfilled today. You know what I'm saying? But you understand this is opening up a way for us to see how how far reaching the work of Jesus is. It's not just about him being your personal savior, which he is, but it's about reorganizing and rearranging the world in which we live that has fallen in sin to the point that things like this will be happening impossible. And then it goes even beyond our world in which we live, it stretches the entire cosmos because God made it all. Do you believe that this is possible? I mean, we're confronted with questions. How does this change the trajectory of our world? How does it change you? And how does it change how you live in this world when you begin to walk in the revelation of Jesus Christ and what he is about? We we as believers can't live in the excuse, well, I live in a fallen world, so I've got to be this way. Hmm. We as believers live in a world and live in light of the revelation of Jesus Christ and what he is doing in spite of what is happening in our world. And you know who testifies to it in the greatest way? The martyrs who have gone before us. They believe so much in a revelation of Jesus and now a way of living because of what they have been shown in the scriptures that it cost them their life because they refused to be moved and live a different way just because they lived in a fallen world. Amen. So how much do you believe? How much does this change you? That's why the prophets and what they said, and not only that, but then the story of Jesus. It's got to get from here to here. Because we've been called to live a certain way. In the midst of this lost and dying world. And by the way, the light has come into the darkness, then that, the light, capital T, capital L, the light then ascended. But before he left, he looked at those who would follow and say, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Here, people take that light and hide it under a bowl or a bushel. No, 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 it's open, so it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, that they may see your good deeds and then in turn glorify your Father in heaven. See, our light is to reflect the light which was prophesied by these prophets to open up what it means to live in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. In our world, in our time period, in the midst of what's happening in our society, that call has never changed. Isaiah prophesied they began to wait. Anticipating so much that there were some that came before Jesus, well, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, and they all didn't work out. Jesus comes and then a lot of them missed him anyways. But the Messiah had come. Advent. The heavens were rent. God has come. And this whole thing about Christianity, because it's new creation, think about that. New when you when you look at these animals that are now dwelling together that was not possible before without killing new creation turns it upside down that's prophetic imagination new creation for me and you is a new way of being human he saved you he's given you a new way anticipating the newness of creation, when he comes, it makes all things new. That, that's the cosmic level. But you know what? While we're waiting for that to happen, you have already been made a new creation, have you not? The fullness of it will come with the resurrected body, amen? But we have been made new right here. When are we supposed to start living according to this new creation? The moment you see revelation and get it. Now now there's a, new, there's a brand new way of going about this. That's what Christmas is all about. A brand new way of going about this. That's why Jesus came. A brand new way of living according to the revelation of this prophetic imagination we find in the prophets and then the teachings of Jesus. That we really can live today with the help of the Holy Spirit and how the scriptures have called us to live. Amen. Therefore, light of the world, light that shines in the darkness. Amen.
3: So as
0: we're headed towards, you know, Christmas Eve and, and, and Christmas morning and, and all the things that happen with that, keep thinking, what does this mean? Right. Keep thinking, how does this change the trajectory of the world? Keep thinking, how does this change me? And all those questions, what is possible because this is God? Amen. And if you start to live in that, I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit will start to he'll start to grab hold of you. You'll start going, oh, my goodness, oh, oh me, oh, my, for goodness sake. Wow, amen. Lord, help me. Lord, change me. Lord, show me. Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Show me what to do today in the midst of all of this. And you'll find he will, and he'll help you. And you'll you'll start to see not a prideful satisfaction, but but an understanding, my goodness, this whole new creation wasn't just about me praying a prayer and trying to get on with my life. It actually meant new creation and a new way of living. Amen? Don't be satisfied to say I'm saved but keep living the old way. Don't be satisfied. What can God do? Amen. So I'm going to have the, the ushers, if they bring forth the tables this morning. We're going to close today with, with communion. But, but before I do so, I do want to say this. If, if you are here this morning and... Um, I'm going to guess that probably everybody in this room at some point made some sort of commitment to Jesus. How many have ever done that? Let me see. But if you have not, or maybe you made a commitment to him and you've just, you just been far off, and you've been in sin, and you've been walking away that you know in conviction in your heart that, that you've been off of the, the paths of righteousness, like we find in Psalm 23, I want to invite you to come home today. And you know in the Bible, there is no centered prayer, you know that? You don't find that in Acts. They, they, preach, the, they preach the resurrection of Jesus and people believe and pfft, we're rolling in the church. It's sort of something we do in the church, just kind of, I guess, to help each other out. I would like to pray with you this morning before we partake of, of communion today. So, I'm not going to ask for hands. I'm not going to ask for people to come down. But if you're hearing what I'm saying today, you're just like, I want to be in on this new creation. I want God to, in revelation, get inside of me to show me a new way of living. I need the forgiveness of my sins, I need to get back on track. Not, not, not perfection, not doing everything right all the time, not ever not making mistakes. mistake, but living in his grace and allowing him to help me along the way. And every time I fall, I get up, I, I wipe the blood off my knees, put a Band-Aid there, have my grandma kiss it, and I keep going. You know what I mean? And we just keep after it. Amen. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to have you repeat after me. I've done that a thousand times, and it gets all messed up sometimes anyways. But while I'm praying, I just want you to commit. and Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. It's just that easy. It's, the gospel is not complicated. It's not complicated at all. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and teach me and show me what it means to live for you and follow you. It's that easy. So how about we do that, Lord? And by the way, I know, sorry, interrupting. Maybe there's nothing in your heart, but sometimes it's good to stay in a spirit of repentance. You know what I mean? So how about, no matter your, your situation, just recommit to him this morning, amen? Lord, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your forgiveness because Christmas morning leads to Good Friday. Good Friday leaves the Resurrection Sunday. Lord, all the points that you're coming again where you were judged the living and the dead. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those here in this room that need forgiveness in their life, they're asking for it now. And we know, as the scriptures say, you are faithful and you are just and you will forgive us our sins. Because the gospel ultimately leads to salvation of the whole being. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. Wipe us clean, make us whole. Lead us, guide us, and, and lead us. Show us what it means to be a new creation in the midst of a world that's waiting for that to happen. So we praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. In Jesus' name. In our hearts, if, if you would, you can stand to your feet and come down. Please come down the center aisle and kind of, the side of us and pick up the elements of, of communion this morning. Or the ordinance known as Lord's Supper is the ordinance of the Lord and is served by the church. In this institution, we observe Christ's day of humiliation and also the day of his triumph. Jesus was condemned in the courts of man, but God who judges all things righteously and well bestowed upon him honor and honor. As we have faithfully observed this ordinance of the Christ, we witness to two great truths. We witness to the fact that he came to earth, that he lived among men for a season, and gave himself at the cross, and then that he was raised from the dead. The second truth is that his returned to the earth when the time is ready. This table becomes the place of our witness of these matters. Loyalty of heart dictates the loving remembrance of what Christ did for us. The good news of great joy for all the people. Finalized right here. Amen. So will we partake this morning. What does this mean? How does this change the trajectory of the world? How does this change me? Lord, we thank you for your body broken and bruised for us. You literally came in human form and literally died on the cross. You literally suffered in our place. You paid the ultimate wage of sin, which is death, for us. Christmas morning leads to Good Friday. And we thank you for that. For paying our penalty on that cross. And we partake of the bread together in remembrance of that. Let's partake together. And the point of the cross is the shedding of blood. It is in the blood of Jesus that washes away all our sins. Our forgiveness is found. For those of us that prayed that prayer right before we came down here, this is symbolic of why that is possible. And, and for those of you who are like me, you've come to Him in need of forgiveness a hundred times, and then a hundred times, and then a hundred times, you know? And the patience and receiving of, of, of us in, in the face of our, our mistakes, no matter how many times we come, is bound what this is symbolic of, the blood of Jesus. So as we partake today, we do it in remembrance of the said blood of Jesus. Amen. let partake together. So if you would this morning, before we head out, just, just raise your hands up and worship him for a minute. Thank him for coming. Thank him for All the things he's done for you, the blessings, but the biggest thing, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. For what that means, Lord, and how it changes us. So We worship you today and we praise you today. For you are highly exalted. You are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, for your glory, amen. Amen, amen, love somebody as you go today. We'll see you Wednesday night. We're going to keep on in the Psalms next Sunday morning. We'll continue in this series. Be blessed. I have a, another quick announcement. Jack Jack and Christine have how many bags? He's got a lot of bags of 50 pounds of potatoes. If you would like a 50 pound bag of potato, tell Jack so he can bring them for you, okay? So Jack's going to stand right here, come get them, okay?